Hey, Dreamers. My guest today, and Ava's guest, because she's joining me for this interview, so hopefully she stays nice and somewhat quiet, (laughs) is making his dreams come true by getting in touch with his values and putting first things first, which I can really get behind. Uh, I'm all about getting one thing done well at a time. Uh, Multitasking to me is a myth. But today, Dreamers, I give you Chris Friesen. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Joe. You're very welcome. Thank you uh, for reaching out to uh, to connect and, and wanting to be a guest on the Dreamers podcast. How are we doing today? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's getting a bit cold. I'm up here in the north, uh, which means in Canada, the south of Canada, but north to you guys. Uh, so it's uh, it's a bit cold, but it's good. Yeah, I mean, it's like 34 degrees out here, 44 degrees as of right now, but it was 30-some degrees this morning. I, I know uh, up in uh, New Hampshire, my friend had said that it was snowing up there uh, last mm. night, I think it was, which uh, it's crazy. It's it's not even November yet. Yeah, we don't have snow here yet. Thank God. Uh, we uh, Yeah, that, I, I won't be happy if that, that comes around anytime soon. And we just had a heat wave like last week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was it was a long it's like summer. Degrees it like. here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, why don't you get started by giving some background about yourself? Sure. Yeah, I'm a psychologist. I um, I have training, and I still work in the areas of clinical, forensic, and neuropsychology, which is a fancy way of saying you know helping diagnose and assess and treat people with uh, emotional disorders. Um, uh, problems with the law and the neuropsychology is problems with the brain, uh, concussion, brain injuries, Alzheimer's, strokes, that kind of thing. Uh, that's that's my training. I um, I've always been really fascinated by successful people and self help, and uh, I uh, fell in love with self help books as a teenager and started to apply what I learned in self help books to my own life and. Um, uh, you know, finally went to uh, university and went to graduate school in, in clinical psychology. There's no, unfortunately, there's no graduate programs, as far as I know, uh, in uh, you know studying or uh, uh, researching or learning about you know high high potential individuals or high achievers. There are some sports psychology um, programs, but that's um, uh, that was too limiting for me. I really wanted to help and assess and learn about people from every. Is every walk of life uh, from every type of difficulty, and I really believe, and I'm really glad I did all that because I do think it really helps me understand people, um, uh, not just at their best, but people when they're at their worst as well. Uh, so I work with a lot of high achievers. I work with a lot of high-level athletes. Uh, uh, some people call this sport and performance psychology. Um, uh, you know, I work with, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, writers, researchers, people who have big goals and want to take their life to the next level. Uh, of course, I've written a book called Achieve, uh, Find Out Who You Are, What You Really Want, and How to Make It Happen. And uh, that distills a lot of what uh, I've learned through research and experience on myself and working with high achievers uh, into uh, an easy-to-read format. So that's sort of a, a nutshell of, uh, of who I, who, where I am today and who I am. Oh, man, that's awesome. Now, what's one big takeaway from your book? If you had Uh, to pick one, I know sometimes it's hard to pick one (laughs) of anything. Sure, yeah, yeah. If if there's, you know, I get asked this a lot, and um, I wrote an article for Success Magazine on success.com about about this, but uh, uh, if there's one differentiator between people who are really 
successful, whatever that means, it doesn't necessarily mean winning a gold medal or making $2 billion, um, you know, being a successful dad, right? Being a successful uh, dentist, you know, whatever it is. Um, uh, you know, the biggest differentiator is successful people don't make their day-to-day decisions or live their lives based on things like their mood, uh, you know, their negative thoughts, their circumstances, their energy levels, that kind of thing. Instead, they make their day-to-day decisions and live their life on a day-to-day basis uh, in terms of uh, what is important to them. So they live in line with their values, their purpose, and their big goals. So that's really what it comes down to is people who want to achieve a big goal or any goal, uh, it's making those decisions day-to-day, not on your moods, your energy levels, that kind of thing, but instead making decisions based on what is important for you. So that's I would say that is the biggest um, – that would be the biggest message uh, if I could distill it into you know one or a couple of sentences. <laughs> that's what it would be from my book. <laughs> and and that's available on Amazon, I assume. Yep. Yeah. Amazon. Um, in paper, it's in paperback, Kindle, uh, uh, Kindle, and uh, Audible as well. So I have um, a great narrator, Chris A. Bell. Uh, he he was one of the I think I had almost sixty to or maybe seventy auditions, and and he was. Uh, by far, I thought the best, and so he does the narration. Um, yeah, and that's on Audible.com as well. So, so it's those three formats. Whoever, therefore, you can, no matter which way you like to consume your books, uh, in physical form, in uh, digital form, or in audio form, you can listen to it. Awesome. Or you can, you can consume it. Consume. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll definitely have the links to that in the show notes uh, at superjoeparter.com for people to to definitely go and pick up though i mean go and pick up is such a antiquated term in this day and age since we're uh just swiping and tapping uh so swipe and tap to go pick up uh so so chris what's some of the first steps you took to get started once you decided that you wanted to be a psychologist yeah you know it's it's interesting because i when i was a teenager i um and i talk about this in my book i had i was high on the basic personality tendency of negative emotions. And, and this is, I can talk for like 30 minutes on this, but basically cross-cultural, cl- cross-cultural studies have uh, repeatedly uh, found this, that uh, all humans uh, tend to vary on five, uh, five to six, but most of the research suggests five basic personality uh, tendencies or dimensions. And this one being uh, negative emotions, uh, which really means your susceptibility to negative emotions and stress. And people who are on the higher side tend to be more worried or anxious, uh, get irritated easily, you know, a bit more moody, pessimistic, um, you know, get uh, panicked easily in, in stressful situations. I was, I was temperamentally like that as a kid. And I, um, I, uh, you know, I was failing out of, sorry, I wasn't quite failing out of school. I was getting in the fifties, you know, I was barely passing school, uh, struggling, had zero interest in school. And, uh, I started reading, uh, self-help books, actually, uh, Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people and a couple of Tony Robbins books, um, unlimited power, I believe and awaken the giant within those were the ones now this is going back, uh, 25 years. So, so these were, um, uh, you know, I I couldn't believe what I was reading. I, I had no idea that people could have so much control over their, the trajectory of their lives. And I started to apply that uh, to not only sports, because I was playing uh, competitive hockey as a goalie. Um, I started to apply that to my schooling as well. 
And, you know, this was sort of a new discovery for me, but I was still in the interest in the physical body at that point, primarily. So when I went to uh, university, I was studying health science. um, And uh, it wasn't until I took my um, first undergraduate psychology course in summer school, I I, I went through five, uh, you know, five years, I did two degrees, five years straight, summer schools included. And when I took that course, I was just, I was ready to change my major right then and there, but I realized you know, I just, let's finish this degree and go and continue with the second psychology degree. And I knew from that point on that I wanted to be a psychologist. It was, I couldn't believe that, you know, people got paid to study the coolest things I've ever seen in my life, you know, uh, studying things about self-esteem or uh, people with depression or how to live, you know, an authentic self-actualized life. I just, it was amazing to me. And, um, that's sort of what really inspired me. And I thought, I, I, I'm going to be a psychologist. And, and I, I worked my butt off and I, I did really, really well all of a sudden. And, and it really proved uh, a lesson that these self-help books were saying when I was you know, 16 years old reading them was, we have way more potential than we actually believe. And I had this self-concept that I was stupid and a bad student. And uh, um, because you know the reality is in high school, I didn't care about chemistry. I didn't care about Shakespeare. I didn't care about geography, you know, some of the basic geography stuff. I was just not interested. And um, I was more interested in sports and that kind of thing. And so once I got into it, and I realized this is a passion of mine. Um, you know, I excelled and just like I did in hockey. So I realized, wow, this is amazing that I read this and it's true. And now I'm excelling. And that sort of started the journey for me to, to, to become a psychologist. Well, uh, for anybody that listens to the show, they know that I I love hockey and I, I love playing hockey because I, I play it uh, every week. So do you still play mm-hmm. hockey? Uh, interestingly, last year I had to, uh, quote unquote, retire uh, due to a back injury. So I, oh, um, man. yeah, as, as a goalie, it was, uh, it, yeah, it, you know, I played for a number of years. I, I'm 40 years old now and uh, uh, there's only so much the body can take it. So it was, it was, a, it was a tough one and I still have some thoughts that maybe I can, you know, recover more from this back injury, but it's been about a year now and I've done all sorts of stuff and it's, um, you know, there's some physical stuff that's there on MRIs and that's probably not going to change. And so I have to get in touch with my values there. Is it, is what's more important to me to play hockey? That's fun. And, and, and there's a bunch of values that are being expressed there or, you know, living a long life where I'm not in chronic pain. And so that's, that was a decision point for me. Uh, not an easy one, but that's, um, I'm probably 80% accepted at this point, but that's, uh, you know, it's, uh, so no more hockey for me, but it wasn't too long. It was only a year ago where I was still playing. So, Oh, wow. Well, you know, I, um, my goalie on one of my teams is 52. So, uh, (laughs) father time's been knocking a long time for him, but he just, (laughs) he just won't go down. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's tough because he can't really go down <laughs> to stop the. <laughs> he puck. literally can't go down. Okay, yeah. Or get. Yeah. I mean, get back up. He kind of can do, but it's the it's the going down part that 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 really sucks. So yeah, no, I totally see the 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 beating up of the body. I mean, I you know I I watch him do it, and I'm like, man, I'm only thirty, and I don't, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be doing it. I mean, I I didn't grow up being a goalie, but um, you know, for me, it's like well. Uh, at least I'm playing out. You know, I, I play defense mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, and it's it's not so bad. Have you thought about playing out? Is that something that's you're capable of doing? Or yeah, yeah, it would be. Uh, I I played out. I think for one season when I was maybe 12 years old. I never play. I've never played as a player 
since that time. And so um, I, I would be actually, I wouldn't be very good. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, that, you know, I, I'll be honest, I never really thought of that until you just said that. But, you know, that's something that, uh, that, you know, if that if my back had, you know, if I could do that without having a flare up where I can't, you know, you know, you know, tie my shoes for a week, um, you know, then I would consider uh, playing out. I'd have to drop a few divisions in terms of skill level. But, uh, uh, you know, I think that might actually be pretty fun. Hey, you know, it's not fun if it's not challenging. I, I only started playing when I was 22, and I couldn't I – mean, I play roller hockey because uh, nice. ice, ice is so hard to get. Like, there's – there's I you know, there's ice rinks, but the problem is, like, all the games start at, like, 1030 at night. So it's, yes. it's really it's really rough, um, especially especially now. But uh, but yeah, so I play roller and it's uh, yeah, I started 22 and, and I'm 30 now and I, I'm way better than I was when I started because um, mm-hmm. I hadn't skated in like 10 years up to that point. Uh, and but it's but, you know, I, I keep I kept playing, even though a lot of people kept telling me that you need to quit. You should just quit. And I'm like, why? Like, I'm enjoy- like, I enjoy it, even though I'm not very good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's it's fun because it's challenging. If I was the best at it, then it wouldn't be challenging. That's why you have multiple divisions, and people should go and play those multiple divisions. And instead of trying to f- you know feel like they're the best person on the rink uh, <laughs> against a bunch of people who yeah, see, it makes Ava cry. She doesn't even like yeah. when people do that. <laughs> get in your own division. Get in your lane. You know, get out of the get out of the people that can that can barely play his way. Right. Um, anyway, Chris. Uh, so, so how did your family take, uh, all this like self-help stuff and you wanting to like go and, and study, you know, successful, high performing people? Um, well, the, the, it was interesting because throughout my entire schooling, like in elementary school, high school, you know, I was barely scraping by, I, I, like I said, I had sort of no interest in it. And so when I went to, um, when I, when I graduated from, with my undergrad degree, um, you know, my parents came to the, uh, you know, um, graduation ceremony and I won this award for the highest average of all psychology majors. And, and it was, it was just, it was a joke in a way. It was hilarious because it's so like, no one could really believe that I, that I, that I was able to pull that off, you know, given that it was just so many years where I, it just seemed like I was just not good at school. And all of a sudden, you know, I, and of course I got my master's and my PhD and, and, and all those things. So, um, you know, in terms of really focusing on the high achievers, uh, you know, whenever I talk to friends, um, colleagues, and even my family, uh, they all seem pretty interested in it, and they all seem to think it's it's a pretty cool thing, and and it really is. You know, this is a this you know only in this era and in in you know sort of North America or Western you know countries uh, that we have the luxury to to study uh, and work with people uh, who are you know at their best. It's it's really um, uh, it's really a blessing to be able to to do that. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's you know, to be able to follow your dreams, follow your passions and actually make a living doing it. It's, it's unbelievable. So, you know, most people are into it. And, um, uh, you know, I remember when I originally started to sort of branch off from the clinical side, working with people with a lot of difficulties, I still do that work, uh, and work with the, um, the, the high achievers. I was a little concerned that my colleagues would think, you know, there's all these people that need help and you're not, you know, you're, you're not going to be helping as many people, but, uh, I haven't gotten any feedback to, 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 um, support that, you know, belief or audit, we call it automatic thought in psychology. Uh, so, so that was, uh, so that was good. It's, it's, it's been all positive. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, you know, I gotta, I gotta tell you, because growing up, I wanted to be a child psychologist, and oh no, I, I, I was, I don't, I mean, I still don't really care to read books, um, because I'm a slow reader, but mm. uh, and I wasn't very good at school because I didn't want to do the homework because I was too busy playing video games, and <laughs> and as it turns out, uh, I didn't, I, I wanted to be a child psychologist, so I found out that I had to do ten years of schooling to mm-hmm. uh to make that happen and i was like wow well, i don't really care for school as much as this and i was only like six seven eight years old at the time so uh so yeah there's that uh, <laughs> so it's no it is it is very impressive to to go and and do make that accomplishment especially with all the schooling in front of you and and that belief that you weren't a good student like it's it's funny because like i i also was you know not a great student but i never felt like i was a like like I was bad at it. I just was like, I'm not doing homework. <laughs> I'm in school like all day. What do I, what are we doing here? I, I agree. I, I think homework is, uh, I have a four year old now and, and the idea that she's going to come home from school with homework is just to me, it, it doesn't seem right, but I, this, that's a whole nother conversation, but I don't, I don't, I get the idea I need to practice, but the fact that you're in school, like, you know, six, seven, eight hours or whatever it may be, um, to, to come home and actually continue to do work like that's that's not even how it should work in the real work world like once you do your sort of nine to five uh we need to have time to spend with our families with uh doing other things with hobbies you know that's it's actually not healthy um you know unless you have a job that you absolutely love and it really fits in well with your family or your lifestyle um but to to work 24 hours a day kind of thing or you know 12 hours a day uh on school or in your job is actually not really good for you overall. I mean, a lot of high achievers, that's what they do, but there's always a trade-off. You're going to trade off. If you're going to do that amount of work, you're trading off something in your life. Every decision, uh, there's good and bad. So you're going to have to trade off the fact that you're, um, you know, you're not going to spend time with your family. You're not going to develop interests and uh, other passions. You're not going to have time to do that. Um, so, so, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I hated homework with a passion and even with all the stuff I've done at this point in my life, I still think, I don't think it's, I'm not convinced it's necessary, but I'm sure there are some child, I'm technically not a child psychologist. I do adolescent work, but not children. Uh, I'm sure there's some child psychologists that's listening or uh, will easily be able to show me some data, some evidence that suggests that it's actually really good. But uh, at this point, I'm not convinced. Uh, I have a good friend who teaches other teachers and she uh, is adamantly against it. But the worst thing isn't just that, you know, like, oh, let's just, you know, get rid of homework for this grade that's that's the worst because then mm. it's like well what happens when they get to the next grade you're not you're not yes. you know like i i understand where you want to go with it and i and i agree with where you want to go with it by not having homework but you're doing a disservice at that point if not if everyone doesn't get off the homework train yeah and yeah. uh yeah so it's and you know the other thing is that to go along with that is um all those high achievers that you're talking about are high achievers in one maybe two things yep. not yep. math science english geography history you know what i mean like it's good to be well-rounded i i get it but at the same time like you know when you compare yourself to like oh well i wish i could be like tiger woods or or uh, um i'm trying to think of a positive sports role model help me out here chris uh michael jordan maybe uh uh close uh, yeah we're getting close. closer yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, Wayne Gretzky. Well, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, there you go. There Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky. That's a great, a great, yes. great example. Um, you know, it's a, he, he was great at hockey. 
I wouldn't expect him to go be great at five different sports. You know, and not everybody can be Jim Thorpe, who was great at like four or five different sports, or Bo Jackson, who's mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. constantly rated as the best, uh, you know, sports uh, figure of all time or mm-hmm. sports athlete of all time. Um, yeah. So, but but in in school, we expect kids to do all like all that and more, and and be amazing at it. Or we're gonna have a talk at the round the dinner table because you failed one class or you're getting yep. a D in one class when everything else is an A or a B. So yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's a, it's a tough talk. And I, I'm not looking forward to it either, man. Cause I, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I talked to um my, my friend Andrea who, who has a first grader and I'm like, so um who's doing the homework? And she's like, basically I am. <laughs> and I'm like, well then who, what, maybe you should be in this classroom then <laughs> rather than uh, your daughter. Cause you know, the, it, who's doing the homework, the first grader well, I, or the parent? <laughs> well, I guess that's the one good thing right now that uh, when our kids go through school, we're going to have to do all that homework and we're going to have to go back and relearn our fractions and our algebra and, and, and I don't know what else you learn. It's it's uh, a <laughs> and the joking, core math. No, I know. And the, and the core math yeah. is it's ridiculous. It, it makes like very little sense. You have to do way more work to get the answer than the old ways of that we grew up with. Or at least yes. I grew up with, and probably you um, yep. grew up with. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, <laughs> now that we're super, super off topic, um, Chris, what's been a major roadblock that you've had to overcome? Um, so just to kind of go back to that, uh, you know, that major roadblock was a lack of belief in myself. Um, in psychology terms, we call this, uh, I had low self-efficacy. So it's kind of like what you're describing in a way, like being good at certain things and not others. You know, um, it's not necessarily low self-esteem. It was more what we call self-efficacy, which is your belief in your ability to do particular things. And I didn't have low self-efficacy in hockey because I was good at it. And uh, I wasn't good when I started, of course, but I knew that if I practiced a lot and I did lots of stretches and reflex exercise, went to goalie school and, you know, I would get better. Uh, But when it comes to... um, uh, when it came to you know school, like you know my the the feedback I was getting, in other words, my grades, uh, my teachers' perceptions of me were you know that this guy's not really trying very hard or he's he's just not really good at this, um, and so you know that that was um, a big uh, uh, you know the that was a big uh, I guess a roadblock I was facing, and you know through sports, you know, for example, through the um, playing hockey and I and those self-help books. And I also was getting into, again, as a teenager, getting into um, uh, autobiographies and biographies. So I remember reading Christopher Reeves. This is after he was paralyzed, uh, 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 his autobiography and uh, Arthur Ashe, who's a tennis player. And he, I'm pretty sure he died of, H, of AIDS. Uh, um, uh, his, you know, these, these, these autobiographies. And I started to realize, hey, I can try and apply, you know, what I learned from those autobiographies, what I learned from self-help books, what I learned from sports, you know, especially the idea kind of like in my book and what I was saying earlier that despite your mood and your belief about yourself, you just do it anyways. You just practice anyways. You just keep going because I knew I sucked at hockey when I first started, but I kept practicing and then I got better and better and better. And it was, it was, uh, then I learned that I'm actually good at learning and, but it's not that I'm, naturally talented at learning. It's just that I, um, um, I realized the principles of how learning works that for, for all humans. And I started to apply it to myself. And I, then I applied it to school. Only my last year of high school did I p- apply it. So I got my grades high enough to get accepted to university. So 
that was a, a big roadblock was just my belief, my lack of belief in myself that was, uh, uh, you know, completely inaccurate. And uh, I'm so glad that those, you know, I played sports and I stumbled across those self-help books, uh, you know, and I was just so happy that that uh, happened. Otherwise, I probably could have went through my whole life believing that I was no good. And it would have sp- it would have spread into other areas of my life. You know, I'm no good at school. And then I, if I didn't play sports and let's say I make a blunder in a social situation, I'll start to believe I'm no good in social situations. And, you know, this is how people become depressed. So so this uh, this actually um, th- this was a roadblock. And, and uh, you know, I've, I will admit that. I still occasionally have self-doubting thoughts, and everyone does. Even the highest level athletes that I've worked with, and rich, uh, you know, entrepreneurs who are doing amazing, they all have have self-doubts. And the reality is, and the research shows, and I'm well aware of this now, is is that we all have self-doubts, and self-doubts are normal. Uh, it's a part of what the brain does. It's programmed to do that. It helps with our survival, uh, to question ourselves, to uh, and do other things. And it's actually interesting. I get a lot of people coming to me, a lot of high-level athletes, for example, come to me and say, listen, I want to have like pure confidence when I go to the Olympics or to whatever the sport is, right? I want to have, I have doubts. I don't want to have any doubts. And I say to them, let's just do a little thought experiment. Let's imagine you had no doubts at all. Let's say the Olympics is in six months from now, and you are convinced that you're the best and you're gonna you're gonna win. Like you're you're you just have it. You have the talent. You have everything, and you have no doubts. Is that gonna help you win? And so if you think about it, and we go through this thought experiment. Is you know if you wake up every morning, uh, and the alarm goes off to go to the gym, and you already pretty much think you're. I got this, you know, maybe I can skip a workout today or you're training and, you know, you starts to get kind of tough in training, you know, I'm going to kill these guys in, in competition. So I'm not too worried. Let's, I can just cash it in. And then you show up at the Olympics thinking that you're, you have no self doubts, thinking that you're going to just walk over the competition. And of course you're going to get your ass handed to you because you underestimated the competition and you underprepared. So self doubt is very good. If you know what to do with it, self-doubt motivates you to be better, to improve. Uh, and, and, and once we talk about that, they realize, you know, maybe it's, it's not that the idea of wanting to have no self-doubt, that's the problem. Having some self-doubt is not the problem. Knowing what to do with the self-doubt is the solution. So it's interesting that um, um, how, how that works. And a lot of sort of self, sort of some self-help books uh, will sort of suggest this. Um, and, and related to that, confidence is built on action, not on thinking. So um, people often have this, there's a myth out there that I have to believe in myself before I should, before I can do something. I'm sure, for example, with this podcast uh, that you started, you weren't, uh, you, you know, you didn't just do it once you thought, I can do this, no problem, I have no doubts at all. It's, no, you probably had, you probably thought you probably could do it, but you're probably a bit nervous about it. Maybe it will flop, maybe it's going to, I'm not going to know what to say, uh, but you uh, did it anyways, and that's how you learn. And that's how you build confidence, is when you do things despite your self-doubts, despite your nerves, despite your anxiety. That is the key to success. That is the key to overcoming self-doubts. Again, overcoming doesn't mean not having them. It means not letting them control you, control your life. Oh, I, I think you put it beautifully. And But um, for the record, no, I, I didn't have any self-doubts when I started it. I had self-doubts mm. about two, three months in 
when mm. I was under the impression that this was like, oh, I thought somebody was going to, like, the internet was just going to mail me a bag of money and everything was going to be cool. <laughs> and, you know, this is going to be awesome. Um, and that didn't happen. So that's when the South Dallas yeah. game, it, you know, I had all the skills and all the technical background and everything to, uh, mm. to make it happen. So it was just, yeah, it was just the idea that, um, uh, you know, like, what am I, what am I doing? This is so, mm-hmm. this is so radically different from what I would be doing at 2 PM on a, on a Thursday afternoon, you know, from, from working like what I would yeah. normally be doing. So yeah, yeah, no, I, but you know, having self doubt is, is important for all the reasons that you, uh, you put out there. Cause I know for me, like I, you know, I struggle with self doubt with a lot of things I do. I mean, podcasting wasn't one of them out up mm-hmm. front, but it, it definitely certainly came after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's plenty of, uh, things that, you know, uh, that I've done that I'm like, well, I'm not really sure. And I've kind of put it on the back burner or I took more time to do it than I expected, uh, mm-hmm. because of, because of those doubts. So, yes. um, so Chris, what was your childhood dream growing up? In terms of a career dream, you know, my, <laughs> like any Canadian kid, of course I wanted to play professional hockey. Um, and, uh, you know, again, because again, school wasn't like a big thing. So, you know, I wasn't, you know, thinking I want to be a doctor or a psychologist or, you know, as a child, definitely not. I was thinking, you know, who, you know, my idols were professional athletes, you know, Wayne Gretzky and, you know, various NHL goalies were, you know, my main focus. And, um, you know, that, that was my dream is to be uh, a hockey player. And, and, and the reality is, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, despite, um, you know, I, I started actually relatively late. I started playing hockey around age 12 in Canadian standards. That's really old. Uh, you know, most kids start around age five or six uh, playing uh, actual, uh, you know, games in hockey. So um, I kind of came in really late. That's not, I don't think that's the reason I didn't actually make it, but I, I went pretty far. I skipped a division, a couple of divisions and I skipped an age group at one point. And, um, but time kind of ran out. I, I, uh, I remember playing, um, I got into a high level team, the highest level you can play, you know, in that age group. And, um, at that point it's all about winning, even though you're only 16 years old, it's all about winning. And that's your draft year to the something here. It's called the Ontario hockey league, which is part of the Canadian hockey hockey league, which most of the NHL, at least the Canadian players get drafted from. So, um, they, uh, uh, long story short, the, the, the goalie from the team that I got on was playing up in the, in the Canadian Hockey League, but he got caught after a couple of games. And so he came back down and, you know, his team cut me to, to, for him to play. And then I was without actually a team. And uh, that was a first time. And that was actually a very difficult time for me because here I was, a 16-year-old kid who finally made like the top team and I was just, they just caught me like, I get it. It's all about winning. I get it now. But at the time I wasn't very happy about it. I was like, wow. Okay. Uh, uh, so yeah, nobody gives a shit about how I'm doing. Um, and it's all about winning and, and, uh, okay. And now I, I have nowhere to play. Um, I did end up finding another team and playing, I think one more year, um, in uh, uh, I think I skipped a division, an age group to do that. Uh, but then I realized that hockey is not in my future. It's it's just not. It's uh, it's uh, I might have been able to pay, play university hockey, um, but I knew as I you know examined other people, I read biographies and things from about hockey players, and it, it, that that um, it's you're not going to make the the NHL or I'm going to, if the best I would probably have done was gone and played professional hockey in Europe. Um, 
And, you know, that's not a bad thing, but you end up playing until you're in your 30s potentially. And then you have no skills, no, you know, nothing to fall back on. And I knew that, okay, as much as I want to play hockey, as as much as it's the coolest thing ever and fun, um, this would be, you know, this is stupidity for me to continue to follow a dream that is not going to happen. And I need to figure something else out with my life because, you know, otherwise... I'm going to be in big trouble. So that, that was, you know, that's a childhood dream that didn't come true, but I work with professional hockey players now and I don't wish I was a hockey player. It's interesting. I, I, I have no regrets at all in terms of where I went. Um, I don't wish, like I know what it's really like now to be a professional uh, athlete and it looks great, you know, to, to, you know, to some, especially when you're young, a young kid, it looks like it's all fun and games and it, it really isn't, um, it's really a tough place to be. And, um, um, you know, it's a good thing that they make a lot of money because a lot of these athletes, once they're done and once they get injured, for example, uh, or they get old, that's it. You know, they're, they're let go. So they have, again, they have no skills. A lot of them didn't go to university. They, a lot of them didn't finish high school. Um, and so it's not like you have any job skills. So unless you're a really good speaker and you're one of the, you know, you're one of the million people that or one of the 10 people, sorry, that can be on, uh, ESPN as a, you know, as a announcer or something like that, or as a color commentator, um, you know, the rest of them are, uh, uh, you know, are, a lot of them get in big trouble. A lot of them get into, addicted to drugs. A lot of them get addicted to alcohol, painkillers and get a lot of depression, and so uh, I see that because I'm a clinical psychologist as well. I do see that. And I do see a lot of the downsides as well. So I have no regrets in terms of where I went. It, all these things shaped me, gave me experiences that I think make me a better person today. You know, I, I, I definitely agree. The, uh, the, the aspect, the, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, if I could do this differently or that differently, like, but you didn't. And look what you learned because of it. And now mm-hmm. you can take it forward. I mean, we still, you know, assuming you still have years of life left, um, there's always a, a, you know, another way to turn the chapter in your life and, and you know, put a plan for to get, you know, if you have to get there or to get there. Um, yeah. But, you know, hey, but you still got to play hockey throughout the years. I mean, you know, most people don't get to play hockey till they're 40 years old so or 39 years old. So, yeah, uh, yeah. that's that's, you know, that's. You got to do what you loved, and you you got a career out of it, and you get to talk to people who are super high uh, achievers in the sports world. So definitely, mm-hmm. you know, it's not always about how like the exact of what we think we're going to do. Like like in my case, where I thought I was going to be a child psychologist, but um, now I get to lecture to kids about chasing after their dreams and giving them hope and stuff like that. So I didn't yeah. have to go to school for ten years to figure you know to do that path. Yep, exactly. So. Yeah. Chris, what do your dreams for the future look like? My, I, I still do uh, like a lot of clinical work, which I lo- some of it I like to do. Some of it I, I do. I, I'm I don't like as much. I'm still a um, um, hired as a uh, as an quote unquote expert um, for medical legal cases. Uh, there, they pay a lot of money, but they're pretty contentious, and um, I have to make sort of decisions that are going to make somebody unhappy at times. And so I, I don't really, I don't love that stuff anymore. I was, it was really fun to do originally when you, you know, get these really hard cases and, and, uh, and it was really, it's, it's, it was flattering when I have all these people, lawyers and insurance companies and these things called independent medical exam companies calling me up and saying, listen, we, 
can you do some assessments for us? We really like what you do and that kind of thing. And it was really rewarding at that point. But in the future, I really want to continue doing more work with high achievers. Um, my book, Achieve, is is the first of uh, at least three books that will be coming out. It's part of the High Achievement Handbook. Um, and I've written most of book two. And I have I have it all lined out. But of course, I, I'm, I'm very busy uh, to be able to pump them out pretty quick. So I would love to continue to write uh, my books. I love talking like this, like talking on podcasts. I like writing articles for things like Success Magazine or I get interviewed sometimes for Huffington Post or Washington Post, that kind of thing about um, different things, uh, personality in sports or, or personality in exercise, that kind of thing. So, um, I, you know, that's where I see myself in the future. I don't really have any grandiose plans Um that I'm going to be Tony Robbins. Uh, you know, I'm not Tony Robbins. We, we have different personalities. And You should and be. You should be Chris. That's right. Exactly, right? End, and, and, end of story. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and, I, and, and based like on my book, I know my personality. I'm somewhat on the introverted side. You know, extroversion, introversion is one of those five basic personality tendencies. And I'm somewhat on the introverted side that, you know, that means, uh, you know, I can only handle so much external stimulation before I start to feel burnt out. You know, so much interpersonal contact, so much, you know, uh, high energy, loud environments, you know, running giant workshops, um, I could, pro you know, I've done some, and I, you know, I can do some for short periods of time, but then I need to kind of chill out. I can't do. I, I, I just watched that documentary on uh, Tony Robbins. I forget the name of it on Netflix. It was really interesting, you know. But this this guy goes around and and he just feeds off the 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 energy, the 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 noise, the the uh, the you know the co the interpersonal contact and all that, the lights and the crowd and. You know, that's that's, you know, he's all obviously very extroverted and that makes him feel normal and good. And whereas people like me are slightly on the introverted side, I can do that for short periods of time. And then I'm like, OK, I, I got to I don't want to do that for like another month. I, I don't want to be uh, not that I didn't like it, but it just gets tiring uh, for, for someone like me. So so I, I know my personality uh, now and uh, I, you know, I'm. I, I can work with it. That's a really in the book is all about this is, is you hit the first step in, in knowing what, uh, uh, you know, achieving big goals is to, to know your basic hardware, which is your personality. You have to know that uh, first because that's these are sort of constraints. They're, they're your strengths and your weaknesses. And if you don't, you know, really focus on um, uh, keeping that, sorry, focus on understanding that and actually living your life within your personality, uh, you're going to end up burning out in different ways. And of course, after that, you've got to get in touch with your values. It's, it's, it's really important that we live our lives uh, trying to live a meaningful uh, life that's based on your values. So I, I, I really, you know, I'm a father now. Uh, I want to be a good dad. It's, as you probably know, it's a daily challenge. It's not, it's not like, um, uh, you don't make mistakes. Uh, and you know, even as a psychologist, it's not like I have all the secrets to how to handle every situation. I'm human like anyone else. And so you get, you get upset, you get tired, you get irritated and, uh, you know, you may like raise your voice or you may, you know, do things that, you know, after you look back, you think, oh, I should have done that actually. And, but that's just the way, you know, you've learned that, that you have to accept that, that you, you learn from your mistakes and you try to improve in the future. So I want to be a good dad. I want to write more books. I want to spend more time studying and helping people achieve their big goals. So, so I still work with people, uh, from all over, mostly North America, but, um, 
through Skype. They work with me one-on-one, and I, I, I'm, I don't get tired of that. Uh, we, they call me up and say, look, I, want, I have this big goal. I'm starting a new company or I'm trying to make the Olympics, uh, whatever it may be. Can you help me? And uh, you know that just lights my fire. And I, I'm like, yes, I spent my whole – practically half of my life or my whole life studying this stuff. And someone who's dying to know or you know, these sort of tips and strategies and uh, you know, the research and they're, wi- they're willing to do what it takes, uh, I'm totally game. So I see myself doing more, more and more of that, writing more books and just living life. Oh, I, I love it. You know, as you were saying, uh, you know, being a good dad, I don't know. Are you are you watching the camera at all, Chris? Uh, I, I, no, I'm not, oh, actually. Yeah. So, you know, Ava, Ava started crying and pushing her hands into my face, and I'm, like, trying to listen and, <laughs> and keep her, so now we're standing up. But, um, I, you know, that, that sounds like some really great goals, and I think it's – I always say it's really, really, really important that we understand ourselves and what it is that we want out of life and how yes. – um, and what's our – uh, our ability and what we're, our, our capabilities and what we're able to handle. Cause then we can push those to the limits. Once we know like, Hey, I can't do like, I can do the X, but, but if I do X for too many times, I'm going to burn out. So I'm going to stay like, I'm going to try to keep below a, th- a certain threshold so that mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. Um, and then you can maximize and optimize within that time frame that you've given yourself. So um, yeah, totally totally uh understandable so chris <laughs> before we share uh or yeah before we share how people can connect with you is there any last thoughts you'd like to share well i think you kind of hit it on the on the the nail on the head there you know it's it's so important i see so many people who um kind of go through life working towards goals that really aren't the right goals for them um you, often they're goals that society sort of values maybe more than they value or their parents value or their social network values uh, more than they actually value. And, and like you said, really doing the, the, the hard work and in the, the book, of course, is really making make it easy for people. It's a series of, you know, simple steps and exercises you do, uh, uh, sort of self-exploratory exercises you do to basically help you figure out, like, who am I and what's really important to me? And, you know, once you get that, um, that's the really the key to happiness. Um, and it's it's interesting actually. There's research that shows that that when you're a parent, uh, happiness levels plummet. Um, and uh, people, you know, think that's kind of scary, you know. But but the reality is, happiness levels plummet when you're a parent, but your sense of meaning goes up. And so there's actually a difference between happiness and having a meaningful life. Um, the the you know to pursue happiness in the in the simplest sense the hedonic happiness you know f- pursuing pleasure and no pain um, you know is 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 a, is not going to get you anywhere and is not going to you know, doesn't make you feel good in the long term it's like taking a drug and you feel great for a few hours and you feel like crap after uh, but the true happiness you know is really about living a meaningful life and a full life because living when you leave uh, live a meaningful life or live a life based on your values and your goals and your purpose. Uh, there are good times and bad times and there, you know, there's struggles, uh, there's pain that's inevitable. 
And the but it's you can put up with that if you're living a life in, that's congruent with your personality, your values, your your passions, that sort of thing. So it's like working out. You know, I could just start kicking someone in the shins or in the quads and say, you know, look, we're working out your thighs. You know, they'll just feel like pain. But if you're doing a, an exercise that you know is going to bring you closer to a goal, whether it's to look fitter, to be healthier, to uh, improve in a sport, that pain, the same physical pain you'd experience from a workout, doesn't feel like pain. It feels um, – uh, sometimes it feels good uh, or it feels uh, – it's like a soreness after the workout. You feel like it's a good pain. It's So it's our perception of it. So when we live a meaningful life, you still feel pain. You still feel um, – uh, you know, just some distress, you still feel self-doubts, you still have some anxiety uh, and down moments, but in the overall, you feel like you're doing it for the right reasons. Uh, so that's really the key is, is knowing, you know, who you are and what's important to you. And then life is, can still, will still be painful, but it's no longer suffering. You're not actually suffering. You're, you're feeling pain, but you're not suffering. So I think that's really the key. And I want to just emphasize that again. Yeah, I'll tell your back that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it's true, right? If if I interpret every time I get a twinge in my back to suggest, you know, oh God, like this means forever, I'm gonna like in ten years from now, I'm not gonna be able to walk, you know, that kind of thing. Um, my back pain will actually be there'll be much more suffering. But when I'm, you know, because I do a lot of exercise and stuff for my back, so my back can be sore. But to me, it's a good thing. I'm building and strengthening my back. That's preventing it. So the pain is actually, um, it doesn't feel as painful because, uh, you know, I know that, um, uh, that, that, that it's, that part of the pain is from the exercise I'm doing. And that's, it's keeping me from uh, getting worse. So it's really how you look at the situation. So it's, uh, but for example, if I played hockey and, you know, it's extremely painful, I'm actually most likely, and the, the orthopedic surgeon thinks I'm just going to damage my back more. So um, that's actually a bad pain. And I will be aware of that and saying, look, okay, now the fact that I can barely tie my shoes for a few days um, isn't good. This isn't really helping uh, my situation. This is bad. And it's going to feel much more painful than it would uh, from then compared to like exercising and having some pain in your back because of that. Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. <laughs> I think that's a, a, you know, that's a great way of looking at it. Um, yeah. So Chris, how can people connect with you? And once again, how can they get your book achieved? Yeah, so Achieve is on Amazon. Um, so paperback is there. The Kindle version is there. And of course, you don't need a Kindle device to to read a Kindle book. It works on any uh, – there's an app for Kindle that works on any type of smartphone. Um, and Audible, audible.com as well. So that's how, that's how you get the uh, – the uh, the book. Um, my to get a hold of me, uh, my website's FriesenPerformance.com. So it's F R I E S E N Performance.com. It's one word. Uh, definitely check that out. There's uh, I have a couple of blog posts there talking about similar things I've talked about today. You know how to deal with nerves, how to deal with uh, uh, motivation, how to deal with um, you know uh, doubting thoughts, that kind of thing. Uh, and on the top right, this says a little button that says do this every day. If you click on that, uh, you get, uh, there's sort of five tips that you can do every day that are going to help you get, uh, closer to your goals. And it's, it's pretty straightforward stuff based on science and neuroscience and that kind of thing. Um, 
Of course, I'm on uh, you know Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. So Twitter is at Friesen Perform, and Facebook is Friesen Performance and uh, Friesen Sport and Performance Psychology. If you look for that, you'll find me. On those, I really just post. Uh, I usually repost articles that uh, that are relevant to high achievement, whether it's nutrition, whether it's you know success type articles, uh, also neuroscience. Uh, related articles in terms of improving cognitive abilities or preventing cognitive decline, because that's my neuropsych background. And if that's important for high achievement, you got to take care of your brain. Um, so those are the best places to, to get a hold of me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I will definitely have all those in the show notes and, you know, Chris, I really appreciate you coming on talking hockey and uh, what, 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 I mean, what, what being in, in Canada, what's your, your favorite hockey team? So I'm actually originally from Toronto, so so I'm biased, of course, towards Toronto. They're not always doing so hot, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, you know. Um, and I'll be honest, lately because I've been so busy, I've, I haven't watched a lot of hockey. Uh, I've been I've been just just as you know, when you're a parent and when you have other things going, it's it's to sit down and watch a three-hour hockey game is uh, is. Um, not as easy to do as it was in the past. So, so I don't follow hockey as much, unfortunately, uh, as I used to, but Toronto, the Maple Leafs, uh, you know, I, I can never, I can never swap, um, to the Canadians or the Canucks or the Rangers or, uh, the hurricanes or whoever. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, it's, it's the Leafs all the way. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm in flyer country. So, uh, yeah. Ah. <laughs> Well, Chris, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today, and uh, I'd love to have you on again in the future to uh, follow sure. up, and especially when your your second book comes out, and uh, just you know go from there. Definitely, thanks, Joe. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash Dreamers Podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to j at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.